Welcome to the Bible and Life podcast. I'm so glad you're joining us on this episode. I'm all about putting Bible teaching resources in the Pama people's hands because God's people need to know and understand God's word in order to be able to carry out God's mission. And so that's really the heart behind the Bible and Life podcast and my online Bible teaching courses and some of the other resources I'm putting together is just to put resources right where people live every day so that they can understand God's word more fully and live more completely according to God's ways in their life. Before we jump into the topic on today's episode, I want to invite you to consider partnering with the Bible and Life Ministry, the Bible and Life Podcast. As we come towards the end of the year, and particularly in a week as we come towards what's known as Giving Tuesday, which is a, a specific day set aside for nonprofits to uh, raise funds from their supporters and their partners. And as we come towards the end of this year and we come towards Giving Tuesday, which is Tuesday, December 3rd, I would invite you to uh, just partner with this ministry and support this ministry by uh, giving a gift to us. You can do that through the donate button on my website. It goes straight through World Family Mission and all donations are tax deductible. I'll have the link to the to that uh, down in the notes below. And um, man, it's really because of the generous support of people like you who believe in this ministry, who have benefited from this ministry, that I'm able to actually have time to continue doing this. And in order for me to keep doing this into 2020, I, that support needs to continue to grow and increase. So uh, prayerfully consider um, partnering with the Bible in life as we come towards the end of this year and come towards December 3rd, Giving Tuesday. All right, we've been in a series that we have been calling big Bible words. And we're just looking at some of the key words that really relate to the biblical story, to the work of God in and through Jesus. And we've looked at the word gospel. We've looked at the word grace. Uh, we've looked at just a handful of those words. Today, we're going to look at the word redemption or redeemer or redeem. There's an old Keith Green song. It's one of my favorite songs of his. It dates me by saying Keith Green. I'm guessing a lot of you that listen to this are like, Keith who? Who in the world's Keith Green? He was an old musician back in the 70s and 80s and really was kind of on the forefront of the early um, Christian music scene. And Keith Green just wrote some really powerful songs. Well, one of my favorite songs of his, it's a very simple yet beautiful little really worship chorus that goes like this. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, oh, for sinners slain. And it's really a, a very beautiful, fairly simple song that um, I think if you if you know the song, if you hear the song, the 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 tone of the song and the lyrics of the song really draw our heart towards God. In fact, it's been put into various hymnals and worship uh, books for various churches and all that because of the simple beauty and the simple power of the song. And yet, it really raises, I think, an important question for us, and that's this. Well, there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Jesus, my Redeemer. What does the word Redeemer even mean? And it's not a word that we... I think, have tons of familiarity with, at least as far as its full theological and biblical understanding. In our cultural context in America, we use the word redeem for like redeeming a coupon 
or we use it. In fact, someone just posted on social media the idea. It sounds like something I won, and then I have to go and pick it up and redeem it, right? Like redeem this thing that I just won. I've got my ticket, my raffle ticket or whatever it is. So we use it in a variety of ways, but the biblical sense of it is in some ways, I think a little deeper and richer and maybe a little bit mysterious to us. And so we really need to explore that. And obviously, we're familiar with the idea, and hence the reason Keith Green can write songs about it. But let me read you a couple passages from the New Testament that speak of this idea of redemption so we can have that in front of us, and then we'll work down through what this word means. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says this, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Or 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says this, You know that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So you were redeemed by the blood of the lamb, not with perishable things like silver and gold. So what does this word redeem, redemption, what does it speak to? What It obviously seems to have some meaning that I suspect that the early writers and early readers of the New Testament were very familiar with. And so let's just jump into the basic idea of the word in Greek and the basic idea of the word really in the, the Greco-Roman world, the world of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter's day. How was this word being used? Well, the basic idea of the word is paying a price to set something free or exerting some sort of, you know, going. there's some sort of cost, whether it's literal cost or whether it's metaphorical cost, there's some sort of cost that's going to lead to some sort of liberation or freedom. You hear that in what both Peter and Paul wrote in that Romans and First Peter passage, that you, you were redeemed not with perishable things like silver or gold, right? There's the money, there's the cost um, from your former way of life, your former feudal way of life. In Peter and Paul's day, probably the most common way this word showed up was in the slave market, which is foreign to us, but was everywhere present in the ancient world. In fact, studies have suggested that at any given time, about 20 to 25 percent of the Roman Empire was in some form of slavery. And it wasn't all awful slavery, as in the American experience of slavery, but it was slavery nonetheless, and you still were someone's property, and there still was a slave market. A person could end up in slavery for a variety of reasons. It, they had no Chapter 11 bankruptcy, so it was a way of paying off your debts. You could become a slave by being a prisoner of war. You could become a slave simply by being born into it because your family were slaves. So there was a variety of ways a person could end up in slavery. So for the sake of illustrating this word redeem or redemption, let's imagine that you have a a cousin, a relative of some sort that um, has gotten themselves into a massive amount of debt. They're not able to pay off their debt. And so now they have become someone's servant or slave in order to work off their debt. 
And so they're working for this guy, working off their debt. But it turns out they're just not a very hard worker. They're not doing a very good job for their new slave master or owner, right? And so the guy decides to sell them at the slave market. And so the market's set up, and they're all ready to go. And you hear that, that uh, your cousin, your relative, is going to be sold at the market. You would love to help this person pay off his debt and get himself out of slavery and maybe get back on his feet and get his life going in the right direction again. So you and your big, huge family, you decide we're going to just raise all the funds we can and we're going to try to redeem our cousin out of slavery. And so you pass the hat, you, you know, you solicit all the funds, all the family members chip in, maybe some friends all chip in, you all pour money into the hat. Now you've got this big amount of money and you're, you, you show up at the slave market and the bidding begins and you keep, keep bidding and you've got enough money and you're able to pay the price uh, for your relative who has been enslaved and you're actually able to pay enough that you're able to pay off his debt and buy him out of slavery. You have redeemed him. You have provided redemption for him. You have paid a price to set him free. That imagery is really was very common in the ancient world and helps us understand what the word redeem or redemption meant. It meant basically to pay a price to set somebody free, and it was common in the slave market. That would be a literal form of redemption. Well, the New Testament picks that up as a metaphor for the work of God in and through Jesus, and so we have been justified, Paul said in Romans 3, as a gift as a gift, just like in our illustration, by his grace, by his undeserved kindness. We talked about that word in a preceding episode, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, through the redemption that is provided in and through Jesus Christ. Or in Peter's words, notice what Peter says in 1 Peter 1.18 that we read, that um, we are redeemed, we know he says we're redeemed, but not with perishable things like silver or gold. It wasn't the money that all the family could you know, pitch in that could buy our redemption and redeem us from our feudal way of life. That's what we were enslaved to was our feudal way of life that we inherited from our forefathers. But that it wasn't redeemed with money, with silver and gold, like in the slave market. We were redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Well, Peter's words there, um, that we were redeemed with precious blood as of a lamb, that actually alludes to the great act of redemption in the Old Testament and to Passover that paved the way for that redemption and Passover that was celebrated year after year among the Jews as a way of remembering the redemption that God provided for them, all right? And so we really need to make sure we, we know the theological meaning and the theological background to the idea of redemption and redeem so we can hear the full a significance of it as it comes into the New Testament, because it's part of the grand story of Scripture that is culminated in Christ. So what is this theological background or this theological meaning to the idea of redemption that uh, shows up there in Romans 3 and 1 Peter chapter 1? Well, the, the, real, uh, the real background to that is the story of the Exodus in the Old Testament. If you're not super familiar with your Bible, 
the Bible really tells the story of God's promise to a man named Abraham, and it's through Abraham that he's going to reverse the curse of sin and death. Abraham's descendants become the nation of Israel. And in the story of the Old Testament, what happens is Abraham's descendants um, end up moving to Egypt, and over the course of time, a pharaoh arises, doesn't know uh, Abraham, doesn't know Joseph, doesn't know really their story and their connection and why they're there. And so he then enslaves the people of Israel because they've gotten so numerous and it kind of gets out of hand and he becomes their, uh, the Israelites become slaves in Egypt. Well, God delivers them from their slavery um, by, by um, his kind of his strength, his power through a series of plagues and all this. You should really read that to, to understand that story. If you're not familiar with it, you can find it in the book by that name, Exodus, which just means leading out, going out, right? That's the idea of Exodus. Well, that's the background of this idea of redemption. Um, and so Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 This is what it reads like. It says this, Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. I will deliver you from their bondage. So the slavery that you're into the Egyptians, I'm going to deliver you from that. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Then I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. And so God says, I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to deliver you from your slavery to the Egyptians. And that is the great act of redemption in the Old Testament that becomes the primary model for God's idea of redemption all the way through the Bible, clear up into the New Testament. In Exodus chapter 15, Moses and the Israelites praise God for now having redeemed them. By that point in the story, God has delivered them out from underneath the bondage of the Egyptians. They have been set free. They have been led out, and God redeemed them. And so they praise God by saying, in your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. And God is praised for redeeming them. And those two words um, uh, where it show, redeem shows up there, those are the first two places aside from one other place in the story of the Old Testament. That's those first two places that this word redeem, redemption, shows up in the Bible. And that's very significant. This becomes, as we said, the primary model for God's idea of redemption. And then as you keep reading through the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 7 says the same thing. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the house of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And so this picture of God as Redeemer that shows up here in the Exodus story is a very deep and personal and meaningful, really, image for who God is and how God has treated his his people. The Hebrew word for uh, Redeemer is Goel in Hebrew. Um, And listen to this description of a Goel from Christopher Wright. I really love Christopher Wright as an Old Testament scholar. He, He writes these words about this idea of Redeemer. He says, A Redeemer, a Goel, was a member within a wider family group upon whom fell the duty of acting to protect the interests of the family or another member of the family who was in particular need. 
The Goel, he says then, was a near kinsman who acted as a protector or a defender, avenger, or rescuer for other members of the family, especially in situations of threat, loss, poverty, or injustice. Such action would always involve effort, often incurred cost, and sometimes demanded a great degree of self-sacrifice. So, and here's the point in terms of Exodus and in point in terms of the uh, meaning of the word redemption for um, what we read there in Romans. So, in portraying Yahweh as the one who promised to redeem his people in Exodus 6, and as the one who can be praised for having redeemed his people in Exodus 15, Israel uses a rich and powerful metaphor. Three things are at the heart of the matter. Family relationship, powerful intervention, and effective restoration. And thus, as Israel's Goel, as Israel's Redeemer, Yahweh affirms a bond between himself and Israel that is as close and as committed as any bond of human kinship. And with it, Yahweh accepts the obligation that comes from taking Israel as his own family. Do you hear that? Yahweh accepts the obligation that comes from taking Israel as his own family. A Goel, therefore, a Redeemer, therefore, Oops, excuse me, pardon me. As Goel, therefore, Yahweh will exert himself to whatever extent is necessary on their behalf for their protection or rescue. Did you hear that? Yahweh accepts, God accepts the obligation that comes from taking Israel to be part of his own family. And as their Redeemer, he's going to exert himself to whatever extent is necessary to protect them and to rescue them. So for Israel in the Old Testament, enslaved to the Egyptians, that meant that God came to their rescue and delivered them with his strength from slavery and oppression to Egypt and to Pharaoh. Um, But oppressors and oppression still remained, right? Evil still persists. And in fact, Israel soon fell victim to evil, to her own sin. So what would God, the Goel, what would God, the Redeemer, do? Well, God would continue to deliver. God would stay committed. God would continue to exert his power to protect and to redeem until ultimately, as the story finally came full circle, came to to the full climactic moment, here's what God did. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the Old Testament law, so that he might redeem those who were under that law in order that we all might receive the adoption as sons. God sent his own son to redeem Jews under the law and all of us, all human beings, regardless, so that we all might become part of God's family, adopted into his family as sons and daughters. And so God has rescued all of us from whatever evil, whatever oppression has destroyed human well-being and human flourishing. And, and so the enemies of God, especially the enemies of sin and death, which oppressed and destroyed human beings, have been uh, dealt with and we have been delivered th- from them by the strength and power of God. God sent forth his Son to set us free from all that has oppressed and destroyed human flourishing, especially sin and death. So what I want to make sure you hear in this rather detailed description of this word redeem or redemption is I want you to hear how personal it is 
and how costly it is. That to redeem someone was a very personal thing. Uh, beginning clear back in the, the Old Testament, it was a family affair. It, it was done in order to protect or deliver a member of the family. And then when God takes that responsibility upon himself, he, he is inviting people into his family. He says, I will be your redeemer. You will be my, like my family. And I will, I will take care of you. I will deliver you. I will protect you. I will rescue you. And it's a very personal thing. For God, And you hear that even there in Galatians chapter 4, that it involves God uh, inviting us into the adoption as his children and becoming heirs of everything he has to offer. We're his children and we get to cry out to him, Abba, Father, Dad, right? That's where that passage goes in Galatians chapter 4. So it's a very personal thing, but it's also a very costly thing. God has to exert his power. God has to pay a price. There's risk involved. There's cost involved. And even in the case of a literal, say, slave market redemption, there's money involved, right? There's a cost involved, and it's a very costly thing. And so back to our passages there in Romans chapter 3, where it says, that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified. We'll talk about that word here in a future episode, so we'll hold off on that, but it has to do with being put into a right relationship with God, being justified as a gift, something that we couldn't pay for, we couldn't earn for ourselves, right? By his grace, we didn't deserve it, but because he's so kind and generous, he did it as a gift through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. Think of that. God and Jesus uh, paid the price for our redemption at great personal cost. And we know what that cost was. You hear that in the first Peter passage. It was the cost of his own life. We were redeemed not with silver or gold, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, like the Passover lamb in the story of Israel's redemption, right? Like with precious blood, the very blood of Christ, that that was the ultimate cost, that in the story as it reached its grand climactic moment, God knew that more was needed, a greater redemption was needed uh, that was patterned after the redemption of, of delivering Israel from its Egyptian bondage, but now a more full-fledged and all-encompassing redemption that is now paid for through the death of Jesus. That's ultimately the cost that God gave. To be redeemed means that God um, is our father and we are his children, that Jesus is our brother and he laid down his life to pay a price that we couldn't pay on our own to set us free, to set us free from sin, to set us free from death, to set us free from evil and the evil systems of this world, to set this world free from evil and the forces of evil and the powers of evil. God has redeemed this world, and he's redeemed you, and he's redeemed me in the person of Jesus. Praise God for his great redemption in his unfailing love. He has redeemed us. And so it's no wonder that Keith Green's song really is so beautiful and so powerful. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One, Jesus, my Redeemer, name above all names, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, O for sinners slain. 
And Jesus laid down his life to, to deal with all that's wrong in this world, all that has ruined this world, all that has oppressed this world, and ultimately for my sin, your sin, so that we could go free and we now could become the children of God. That, my friends, is incredibly good news, is it not? Thank God that he sent us a Redeemer in the person of Jesus. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible in Life. I pray that that message is really encouraging to you. And every time you read the word redemption or Redeemer in the Bible, you'll have a greater understanding of what it means. And thanks, too, for all of you who are supporters of the Bible in Life ministry, either through my Patreon page, becoming a patron there and receiving some uh, extra benefits and some extra perks, including an extra podcast each month, as well as those of you who support the ministry through the a donate button on my website. Again, if you want to get involved in that, I'll have the links to that down below. And I would invite you just to partner with this ministry so that I can continue to produce online resources to help people learn and live the Bible. God bless you guys. Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're celebrating that here in the States and wherever you are. May God bless you with grace and joy. We'll talk again soon.